everybody, welcome back to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about video games. I'm your host, Roman Butel, and joining me, as always, is Michael Jones. Greetings, gamer, I see you. Greetings, gamer, I see you. Now, Mike, I I gotta start the show today with the first in what I imagine will be a recurring segment, and that is uh, apology time. <laughs> well, Frankly, oh. I'm... Surprised it took this many episodes before we had to do this. But before we get to apology time, I want to welcome our guest. Uh, he's back again, folks. The third Beatle, I guess you could call him, Caleb Grine. Hi, Caleb. Hey, Roman. Good to be here. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, I say the third Beatle because uh, in some way or another, I feel like you have a role in every episode we've done so far. Either it's me talking to you about the thing we're going to talk about before or you giving me feedback after. So you're like the closest thing we have to another producer, I guess. Ghostwriter. Caleb really is unstoppable. <laughs> He's the ghostwriter. That's right. You guys ready for apology time? Yeah, I'm 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 ready for it. OK, so uh, Mike, go ahead and drop in that music. You the apology music you wrote. Uh, so look. To be fair, I don't actually know if uh, I said this in our episode or not, but this apology goes out to the executives at Marvel Studios. Uh, because, as you both will recall, in that episode, I, I correctly said that Marvel's or MCU Spider-Man is whack. Uh, and that's true. That's not what I'm apologizing for, by the way. But part of the reason I thought he was whack and still do is because of the over-reliance of MCU continuity in the standalone Spider-Man movies. And I've recently learned that that was actually a mandate that came from Sony. And I had always been under the assumption that that was because Marvel wanted to deliberately tangle up the continuity so that if Sony ever tried to pull Spider-Man, it would be hard. But no, it's actually just Sony not knowing what they're doing and not having a good plan. Because as you both may remember a few years ago, I think it was maybe just last year, there was this whole hubbub where... Sony and Marvel couldn't come to an agreement for a little bit and they almost had to pull Spider-Man. Uh, and so what I thought was Marvel being a little bit, you know, sly and, and uh, uh, strategic in their planning is actually just Sony not knowing what they're doing. So apologies to the executives at Marvel Studios. You can all breathe a sigh of relief right now that I've called off the, the surprised mechanics. That's what I'm calling our fan base, by the way, Mike. <laughs> uh, and now we're going to go over to the uh, Sony offices. I, I like I, I think you made up for it by using the word tangled in there. Oh, OK. I yeah, because the because like the, the corporate uh, sort of synergy. Mm hmm. OK. And while we're apologizing, I believe in the first episode, I called the owner of the honeybee in Andrea Romano, but I believe it's Andrea Rodia. Andrea oh. Romano is an actual person, and I'm sorry if I offended her. OK, well, that's your double apology time. You know, Mike, get into this. What do you got to apologize for? Everyone has something. It's confession time, buddy. I have no regrets. <laughs> oh, nothing at all. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you go to sleep every night on the drop of a dime. <laughs> no, pretty much. Nothing's nothing uh, percolating in the old noggin. No, nothing at all. I mean, and, and that might be because uh, when I, I do sleep very well at night because I just stay up to the point of exhaustion. And, and every single night you uh, you go through ego death. Yes. <laughs> you stay up until your ego collapses and then you have no choice but to sort of revert into like a primordial rest. And then and then I collapse, but it's just I'm very thankful each time there's something <laughs> soft like a couch or a bed nearby. Yeah. Okay, so no no apology though, just uh just want to make sure. I guess an apology to myself for staying up so late that night. 
Sorry, okay. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's uh, turn down the music now. And that's it for apology time. I'm sure we have more stuff to apologize for. And that will not be the last time we hear of that. Now on to today's topic, which is the Yakuza franchise of video games. Uh, Mike, you may remember I said 2021 was the year I wanted to get into Yakuza. Yes, you did. And, and I'm doing it. Yeah, we can see the, the results are there. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves. Roman surely got into Yakuza in 2021. I did. I did it. Congratulations. Uh, so just to clarify, we're only going to be talking about Yakuza 0 through 6. We're not talking about uh, Judgment or Like a Dragon. Um, and to be fair, I only played Yakuza Kiwami. To be fair. <laughs> uh, so that's where I'm coming from. So I will kind of talk about that game specifically, and I will lean on you two fellas to sort of take my points and extrapolate them to the broader franchise as a whole, or like tell me, no, that's actually just a thing in Kiwami. Is it Kiwami? Kiwami? Yeah. Kill me. Okay, it's either. Do you guys want to talk about sort of your time with Yakuza? I believe the first I'd heard of Yakuza 0 was seeing that Mike was playing it. So you could effectively call that a word of mouth spread. And I eventually took the plunge on Steam when Kiwami 1 and 2 arrived on there and there was a sale on all three of them, on, on Zero, Kiwami 1, and Kiwami 2. And I played those in the beginning of 2020. And then I got so burnt out that it took me over a year to uh, quite recently get 3, 4, and 5 on there as well, and I have played those. I have not played Judgment 6 or Like a Dragon. And that is where I stand now. Okay, how about you, Michael? Well, I've I've played uh, several hours of Yakuza games, and um, actually, I, I think that totals up to maybe hundreds of hours um, with completing a few of them, uh, comp- like 100%. But I have only played Zero, Kiwami, and Kiwami 2. Uh, I still have to play through Kiryu's Saga um, through Yakuza 3 to 6, Um and the other games like Judgment, I haven't uh, played either, but those are definitely on my list of games I want to play because uh, something about this series is just so much fun uh, and I can't wait to jump into the to the suite. Awesome. Well, then let's do it. Let's roll right into the suite. Yes. Folks, welcome to the suite where we talk about the things we liked or loved about the Yakuza franchise. The core cast is is just incredibly charming. And Kiryu's the man. Uh he's awesome. Uh I his I, I I was a little I don't know. I wasn't sure what I would think about him because he's so stoic, right? But the more time you spend with him in the city, uh he he he's great. I love Kiryu. And Haruko is really sweet too. And those their dynamic of those two is great. And uh I will likely play more of the Kiryu Yakuza games just to see those two in action. Mm. I think of Yakuza uh, more on account of Kiryu than anyone else, but also I'll give favor to the other protagonists here and that it's, it's a great dad simulator. (laughs) It is an ideal baseline for masculinity, the optimum demonstration of what I, I think it should mean to be a quote, real man, unquote. And I don't think I have found a better role model in any other game. 
It's uh, it, it certainly is an interesting character. Um, Kazuma Kiryu is a yakuza, and uh, you know he he definitely can get down and get tough uh, when time is right. But um, I think one of the things where the, these games really shine through is that it's not like you know Grand Theft Auto with a whole lot of uh, uh, macho and um, a violence all the time. There's a uh, a decent pace set where you, when the going gets tough, you have to you know stand stoically and face uh, wh- whatever is in front of you. However, there is a lot of time during these games where you're really just living in Camarucho and mm-hmm. you encounter a lot of people during your days and you help a lot of people and uh Kiryu always tends to kind of fall under this um either like chaotic good or neutral good uh, uh alignment like and it, it never seems like he's that bad of a guy and he would be a really good person to like go and get a beer with uh after you're done playing the game so he's a he's an interesting character in that respect that um it's very difficult, I think, to dislike him um, because the more time you spend with him, the more you see how charming he is, how kind and patient he is, and how willing to help others he is. That uh, th- that pretext of him being a, a member of the Yakuza, or even in most cases a former Yakuza, uh, just isn't as important as what he does for everybody else that he encounters day to day. Yeah, Chet Hanks was going on about a white boy summer. It should have been a Kazuma summer, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is Kazuma's the summer the we all just act like Kiryu all the time. We defend our loved ones and uh, we help everybody that we can. Right. And, and you know, I think some of what we might talk about a little bit later is is I do think uh, Kiryu represents a very like old school outlook of the world in a lot of ways, right? Very chivalrous. And, you know, maybe that sort of, uh, that thinking is antiquated and it, you know, it wouldn't be the so bad to, uh, move past that in a lot of ways, but I don't think he's ever problematic in that school of thought. You know what I mean? It's like, you're hanging out with like a, a cool dad, like Caleb said, it is like a dad simulator and, uh, and, and he's great. He's the best. I do think he represents old school Yakuza as far as their original self-reclaimed purpose, which is of you know positive aid to society. Uh, whereas the bad guys he goes up against reflect the toxic, corrupted reality of what the Yakuza is, movement is now. Mm, yeah. And Yakuza Kiwami, uh, I, I know Majima is in a lot of the games, right? I know he's at least in zero because he's on the cover. Oh, yeah. He he is a, a major character. I think um, I, I guess it would be safe to call it a friendship between uh, Majima and Kiryu. Certainly um, a rivalry. Yes. Yes. Like, definitely like a rivalry. He's like Knuckles to Kiryu Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great comparison. But it is, it is kind of like a friendship, too. Like, I think, uh, you know, despite their rivalry, there's a, there's a few moments throughout where, uh, you know, they 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 help each other out and uh when the going gets tough majima is usually there to lend a helping hand rather than uh be a, a nuisance um well he could do both 
<laughs> at least, which is why I love him. That's what I was getting he, to. I, yes, I saw myself. Yes, he could do him. both at the same time for sure. <laughs> uh, and, and I thought he was hilarious. And I thought in is the Majima everywhere system in every game, or is that just Kiwami? Because I was kind of reading that I think it might just be Kiwami. That is in just Kiwami. Which, um, for context, Kiwami uh, Yakuza Kiwami is a remake of the original Yakuza game for the PlayStation Two, which. Was a, was released in the United States with a hilarious English dub, um, and if I remember <laughs> correctly, I believe Mark Hamill did the voice for Majima. They just took a, a cut Joker lines, essentially from Batman the animated series. Essentially, that's yeah. the case. I mean, when when you really jump into it, he does have a uh, uh, a pretty chaotic streak. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I guess Majima would be the better fit for chaotic good than Kiryu. Um, more I think of a neutral good neutral. there. Yeah. Neutral. Yeah. That, that too he does as well. To, at least in Kiwami. He's like a, he is a villain at times in Kiwami. Like there's a few like boss fights with him where he is standing in the way of you trying to do good. Yeah. I watched, I watched some videos that compared the original game, uh, especially with the, the English dub to Kiwami. And it seems like uh, Majima's actions in the original game are a lot more, uh, I guess, violent, uh, but whereas in uh, the remake, he's a little more toned down uh, mm-hmm. where he's less of a bad dude. And I think that might reflect like he definitely wants to be like chaotic character, but still have some shred of, uh, you know, being a very good person. You can really see that in Yakuza Zero, the, 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 the prequel origin story for both Majima and Kiryu. You play as Majima quite a lot in that oh, cool. game. And you get a lot of uh that backstory of how he became this uh this breakdancing weirdo. <laughs> well and to uh step back for just a moment, the the Majima Everywhere system in Yakuza Kiwami, uh Majima's main role in the game is to try to push Kiryu to become as good as he was before he went to prison for 10 years, which is like the inciting incident of this game. Uh, and so you'll be walking around town and uh, you might see him in the distance and you can avoid him if you want. Or sometimes he just does jump out and kind of ambush you. Uh, you just have to fight Majima all the time. <laughs> like you're just constantly fighting this guy and he loves it. And every time you beat him, you get like experience and there's a special skill tree that can only be acquired through doing certain actions in the game, such as Majima everywhere. Yes, I, I really appreciate how Majima is so dedicated that he will uh, hide in the trunk of somebody's car. Yep. He'll hide under the very large uh, traffic cones that <laughs> yes. are uh, spread around the the, the district. Uh, sometimes I think I, I, I've seen him come out of the sewers uh, through through a manhole in the street. It's it's very unpredictable uh, when you first play through the game when you're going to encounter Majima. So you better stay on your toes. And for anyone who doesn't know, he is the head of another crime family. So he has like <laughs> in the game acknowledges that you'll get like texts from people in his crime family being like, hey, I'm actually getting worried. I haven't seen him in a long time. Like, I think he's stuck somewhere and he will be. He'll be stuck under a traffic cone and you have to go get him out. And then he wants to fight you. His role gets more and more unexpected with each game that by the time you get to five, he is by all means popping up when you absolutely least expect it. So (laughs) I think Kiwami one was engineered to incorporate that feeling. Awesome. It was great. It was really I I that was a an example of a thing I thought for sure was going to get old, right? That uh 
I never got sick of it. And I, I didn't max it out uh, because for reasons we will get into, I, I was kind of ready to be done with Kiwami at a certain point. Uh, but I never was angry when he popped up. I never avoided him because you can eventually unlock the ability to kind of track him within a certain radius. And I would go find him because you do get a lot of good bonuses for for beating him. And uh, his his street encounters weren't uh, really that much more difficult than any other combat encounter. So it was a good incentive to go and find him. It's definitely a good form of practice because I think your, your regular uh, street encounters are usually uh, really quick. I mean, you could you could fight three dudes and and just move on in a matter of seconds sometimes. Right. But uh, a, a random encounter with Majima could really test your metal sometimes. And that's a, that's good practice for all, a lot of the tougher encounters and boss fights that you might uh, in, uh, go through in the game. Uh, so it, it's kind of like a, a good way to to beef up the stakes a little bit, too, as far as. Uh, when when you're out and about enjoying the nightlife, uh, you can also unexpectedly get some boss fight practice in. For sure. Uh, and so you know, having never played these games before, I feel like I, and maybe this is a common misconception, but I feel like I viewed the Yakuza franchise as essentially Grand Theft Auto in Japan. I feel like that's a common perception uh, for people who haven't played it, which is which is interesting because I had the same thought. Okay, mm-hmm. well, good. That makes yes. me feel a little better, yeah. to be honest. Oh yeah. But you know, if you spend any amount of time in one of these games, you quickly realize how like reductive that is. Uh, yes. To, to both games, to be fair, and and I'll be the first to admit I'm not the biggest Grand Theft Auto fan, but still, it's not fair to compare it to a game it is nothing like. Uh, but I think one of the biggest things Yakuza does differently. And this sort of goes back to the conversation about Kiryu and the protagonists is there's like a lot of heart in these games. Seemingly, I, I, again, I can only speak from Kiwami, but uh, just from what I've gathered about the yeah, discourse definitely. and the fandom, I have to imagine that what works in this game is just made stronger as the franchise goes on. Uh, and and yeah, there's like uh, uh, even though it is like a beat em up. Right. And so there's like a lot of violence. It never takes the street violence too seriously. But that works because then when there is like a story beat in which someone is killed or something, that has weight to it. Unlike yeah. Grand Theft Auto, you know, where you're that you're killing how many people in each at level. Uh, canonically, yeah. Kiryu, even if you do this move where you like stomp on some guy's face or something, that guy's not dead. Uh, he's just he's sitting on the ground going, OK, I'm sorry. He's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> or but yeah, yeah, that, that that is true. Like after, you know, despite how many bones you might have broken uh, during the course of a fist fight. Uh, or even like uh, you can you can find weapons like knives and guns. Right, you can't shoot a guy with a gun. Yeah, but uh, yeah, when you're done with the fight and you go back to the regular overworld, uh, they are just kind of there, slumped over. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and then they give you money, like in Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, which which yeah, um, Kaylee's just a man trying to keep the town, you know, good. Didn't Chance say that it was a challenge to be a good guy in Grand Theft Auto? Yes. In in this game, it's a challenge to be a bad guy. Yeah, I think that's an interesting, uh, like, uh, difference because uh, there there is this, like, um, like gratuitous violence of uh, of Grand Theft Auto that, you know, it's it's like the, the main way to engage with the game and, 
it's the 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 appeal f- for the fun of the game you know you drive around bash up cars shoot people and all that kind of stuff but um yakuza is open world gangster stuff that is a totally different uh um tone because you you do play as people that have moral codes and uh that form of violence is like you said roman like a, a street fight really isn't taken as seriously but um there are moments with real stakes and uh people's lives characters that you might have just met it really doesn't matter who it is uh these characters like majima and kiru really take these other people's lives seriously right and when harm comes their way they move very quickly to make sure that you know people have some form of defense or they they you know uh, they get their justice uh if they've been wronged um so it's it's an interesting parallel where I feel like it is kind of a common thing if you haven't played the games to assume it's somewhat like Grand Theft Auto because it has that look. You're in a city, you're wandering the streets, and you just haven't seen that much of the game. Sure, it kind of makes sense. Um, but then once you jump in and play, it's just a totally different experience. It's um, it's it's kind of difficult to fathom what the game will be like until you actually do play it. And as you do play it, it just continues to unfold more and more enjoyable parts of itself uh, the more time you invest. That CD brawler it comes off as on the surface. Uh, I don't know if it's advertised that way for more widespread appeal or not. Uh, but either way, there are there are definitely two things that kind of uh, peel that away once you get into it because. Uh, well, like like you were saying, uh, as far as the main quest, you know, the good guys are so beautifully selfless, while the bad guys are so disgustingly selfish that by the time it all goes down, you want to see the good guy punch the bad guy so much that it, it, it's it's like watching wrestling, which is <laughs> definitely yeah, not a coincidence considering how many wrestling moves are integrated into the move set. So yeah, yeah, but, yeah that, those those emotional nuances help, but then also. Uh, the side content makes it so deceptive too. It's sort of like, oh, yeah. like, well, like, like Dead Rising or Deadly Premonition. It looks like a jank gore fest, but then when you stop to smell the flowers, you find, you find all this bizarre and silly stuff that gives it an unforgettable charm. And it's such a a, a powerful, charming effect too, because. Um, uh, the the first time I sat down to play a Yakuza game, I played Yakuza Zero in 2017, and I I actually I rented it from a, a local store for a week, and after playing that game for the first day, I knew that I was going to rent it as long as I had to in order to finish it. Uh, <laughs> the rental was four dollars a week, so you know you can't blame me, right? Um, Though uh, it took me three weeks to like, you're speaking a foreign language to anyone younger than like. (laughs) (laughs) They used to have these stores, like instead of instead of going into Walmart, you went into Blockbuster and you walked out with a video game that you had to bring back a week later. And when he says store, he means a building. It's not like Amazon, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But back to back to the uh, to the game. Uh, I yeah, I knew very quickly like, oh man, I wanna I wanna play the hell out of this game. Uh, because not only does 
it does, it does such a great job of dropping you into this crime drama story as its main driving plot, um, which I feel like each game that I've played so far has a very compelling uh, story to it. Um, it also has, like you said, Caleb, incredibly uh, interesting side content. And sometimes that side content is uh, integrated in with parts of that main story, your main quest. You know, you'll 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 start the prologue, and then uh, one of the characters will say, "You know what? We need to let off some steam. Let's go sing some karaoke, and, <laughs> oh, and then man, we'll turn yeah. in for the night." And then you're playing a karaoke mini game after you beat up a few dudes, and you're like, "What is this?" Um, but it's just so wonderfully fun and silly. Uh, it's it's really. Um, it's really, I think, the thing that grabs you is the, the game has uh, a very excellent way of pacing itself between this gritty, serious crime drama as its main plot, uh, a lot of lighthearted side quests littered throughout the city district, and then and uh, like endless opportunities to just you know go and find mini games to play. Uh, like Yakuza Zero has arcades with Outrun and uh, other classic arcade games from the 80s from Sega. And then that tradition is kind of carried through later games in the series. And then there's also like gambling and uh, <laughs> karaoke. Um, each game has just a, a huge selection of mini games to choose from that it's almost like a, uh, a Mario Party level right mini games mm -hmm. there are also small lighthearted story moments with side quests and characters that you meet there who you help and become friends with uh it, it's just very wholesome and charming like <laughs> I, I i one of the the side quests that has stood out to me very very much uh is encountering a woman who is uh kind of stuck in in the district she is clearly uh, uh not from japan so she's having trouble communicating with people kiryu stumbles upon her and after speaking to her he believes she is asking for pizza so naturally you go to a restaurant order a pizza pie and you walk slowly <laughs> holding it up like you're delivering a pizza in order to bring that back to her to help her out when you realize she was saying i need a visa in order to <laughs> you know because I'm, I'm a foreigner <laughs> that's amazing with that many tonal changes and gameplay changes there's bound to be something that you enjoy I mean, right i have i have zero interest in being a hostess club manager or a mountainside hunter but being an idol or a baseball coach where do i sign oh. up right yeah and so you know this this all kind of goes back to mike you made a comment like you know just the more time you spend in kamarucho which is the setting of these games the more you kind of realize what makes it so special uh because you know like we talked about there are all these mini games and activities and they're never forced on you they are just there uh like the the disappointment i felt when i realized i could do karaoke the whole time uh, was unmatched by any video game experience ever. Because <laughs> and I, you will find when you play future games that will be the first thing you try to go and do is karaoke. The karaoke minigame, I believe the exact word I texted you, Mike, was transcendent. I yes, it was like this 
is uh, this game has been so elevated and I'm not there's no irony here. It's amazing. And and these activities are, you know, like Caleb said, they're not they didn't all grip me. I didn't love all of them. But the fact that they were all like a different game, like there's a bowling game, there's a darts game. And these are all different things you can do that have different sort of a different skill set to get good at them is extremely cool. And it, again, I think about how like in, in Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead, um, you can go and do all this stuff. And, and the, uh, I don't know if you guys listen to the Besties podcast, but they just did an episode on Grand Theft Auto and they kind of correctly in my opinion, assessed like, okay, yeah, in GTA five, you can go and watch a movie, but it's not fun. <laughs> like, like it's, you know, it's like, why did they even put that in? Because I'm just watching my guy. And I would say the same with red dead too. Like you just go and you're watching a, It's just not that entertaining, but in Kiwami or any Yakuza game, when you go do an activity, you're actually playing a game. You're involved in the process. Yeah. There's a, um, a, a piece with those side, uh, mini games that like you're absolutely right you don't have to do them uh and 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 if the game ever forces you to do one as part of the main story it's it usually doesn't matter what the outcome is right um and i i think the thing between like the red dead and grand theft auto approach and yakuza is uh it's kind of clear like rockstar is looking for this kind of more like okay this is a real world so you're gonna let your character go watch a movie but there's no engagement for the player in that action uh and i don't know if there's a way that you can do that i mean there's there's there has to be a way that you can make going to see a emotion picture in red dead redemption 2 or grand theft auto 5 somehow engaging they just didn't do it right yeah well that's the thing with yakuza is everything is engaging i i i kind of found it uh, like I guess you could say it might be overwhelming depending on how you look at a game and you see how much is available to do in front of you. Um, but that I think is one of the beautiful things about the game is when, when I think once you get to that first mini game and you see how it is and then you play a different one, you very quickly realize how, okay, everything I can do in this game is going to have some level of engagement. It's going to be engaging somehow. And even if I don't enjoy it, uh, that it, it's still a hell of a lot more to do uh, in a game as a game than, you know, clicking a button and then you're watching a cutscene of a character watching a movie in a theater. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I wonder if maybe what makes like Yakuza feel so special is because uh, it is like it, it feels like it comes from like an auteur, right? It, it, uh, the creator's name is... Uh, Toshihiro Nagoshi, I believe. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, and it feels like one voice behind this, he had a vision. And Mike, you and I have talked about that a lot, about like Japanese auteurs and video games compared to like Western counterparts. And, you know, there's like certain big publishers and developers, you know, in America, like Insomniac or Naughty Dog that you kind of expect like, okay, good. You know, these will be good. Or, or you know, like Nintendo, right, who kind of does it all. But the only like auteur I could think as terms like naming a one person is David Cage and that, you know, he's got some mixed results, let's say, uh, in terms of the quality of his games. And, and I just think that level of, uh, you know, these games are silly. They're funny. There's a lot to do. And they're, they're no doubt triple A experiences, but they still feel like 
art <laughs> in a lot of ways because it feels like they have something they want to say. Yeah, I feel like um, you've only played through one game, Roman, and I'm really curious to hear how you feel about them going forward and playing some other entries in the series. But having played three of them myself, I, I feel like there's a, a very strong consistency and cohesion between them. And I feel like that definitely is due to that fact that it has a, a single creator that kind of is a, a, a major creative force behind it. Um, I, I, I kind of struggle to think about what these games would be like if it changed hands with every title, right? Right. Um, there's, there's going to be something lost in translation or, you know, it's like a game of telephone. If you keep handing off these characters and settings and these types of stories, uh, they're going to have different interpretations regardless of what, you know, who, who else was there. If, even if it was a member of the team, uh, under that person, it'll be a different game somehow. Um, so I, I think that's a very interesting thing and kind of reassuring that like there are, uh, seven games for the, uh, the saga of Kazuma Kiryu and you can be reassured that playing through that saga, it's going to feel cohesive and, uh, and it's going to connect, like it will connect and it will feel like a very strong saga because of that. There's this, uh, this connecting tissue that just makes it, uh, impossible to think of these things as separate. This is like one really big game. Mm-hmm. It even has like a consistent directing style, even if it's not the the same director, like all the, at least all the, the remakes and remasters, which is what I have played. Uh, you, you know what you're getting with these scenes and with these moments and they, the, the, they, they have, they all have the same look to them, which in this case, I, I think is a good thing because you're getting the same uh, kind of engagement um, and, and not only out of that, but also in all the other little things you can do it, 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 it always, there are all these different feelings that you'll experience while playing it, but they are the same feelings. So, you know, you are always going to come back for another good time of the same flavors. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that, uh, those feelings get dull either. Um, they, they, they still maintain the ability to keep that, uh, freshness to them like i I played through three games back to back last year um and they like it 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 was an uh a a very entertaining and fun experience despite like playing through those games um right up back and uh back to back to each other um whereas i i feel like depending on the series and uh it, it it could really get easy to burden yourself out on a game right like if, if you played this one game that has a dozen sequels and uh you know there's hundreds of hours that you can pour into just one entry out of all of them then it seems like there's a, a very strong risk of getting dull and losing interest in it and this this series it's very difficult i think for that to happen if if you jump into yakuza and you find yourself enjoying it from the first minute to the last minute of one game then i think it's safe to say that each game will have something for you even if it's not everything within the game um and 
one of the other things I think is wonderful is that even though these games like the the the, the Kiryu saga is so well cohesive, uh, you could I think you could almost jump in anywhere, Caleb. I think you might have a better understanding of that because you've played a little bit further into his story than I have. But if someone were to start with like Roman, you started with Kiwami rather than Zero, uh, that is still a great starting place. I, I I've played Kiwami too. I think that's also a great place if if that's what's available to you. It's another another great game to play, and there isn't a lot of story that is dependent um, to understand what's happening in that game. Uh, that that backstory is there, sure, but um, they I think they do a good job of when there is a flashback to a previous entry uh, to give enough context so that you can still understand everything that's happening in the current entry that you're at. Yeah, I think Kiwami feels like a pretty perfect jumping on point. Um, and, and it helps, you know, knowing there is a zero because they reference events that took place like before Kiryu went to prison, but they don't reference, they never say like a specific like story event. It's more like Kiryu talks about the world and the state of events before he went to prison and how the world is different now. Uh, so it's like, you don't really need to have played zero, but if you loved Kiwami and you wanted to go back and play zero and kind of see the world he's talking about, you could. I do think Kiwami one personally, my recommendation is that Kiwami one is a better entry point because it's, it's a simple story that's more straightforward, but uh, every bit as charming as any other, if, if not more than most. And there's still plenty of fun stuff to do, but not so much that you're overwhelmed, uh, like zero, which is the most frequently recommended starting point, gives you everything that there can possibly be to do, and and in its best form, it is it's the it's the epitome of the formula. But you know, do you want to start with the best game and then like plateau with the rest of them? Or <laughs> yeah. so, so, so that's 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 why I say I, I think one is one is a good gateway. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like Mike said, zero, Kiwami one, Kiwami two, those are all those are all fine. And uh, like a kind of kind of like a TV drama, you can jump in at any point and you get what's going on just because I, I, because the characters are done that well that you can kind of understand what they're thinking and where they're coming from. And and one of the things that is wonderful in this current year is. Uh, if you're on PlayStation or Xbox or on PC, um, Sega has started like they have made uh, Yakuza three, four, five. Like oh, the 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 Kazuma Kiryu saga is available. Which right. later on we're going to talk a, a little bit about um, some of the spinoffs to the series. Um, but uh, there was a period of time when I was playing. Zero in 2017, I just looked at the franchise. I'm like, oh, gosh, uh, these games are split up over so many different consoles. And and um, there there's it feels like there's so many of them. It's kind of overwhelming. Right. Um, but Sega has kind of made it easy now to, to if you want to if you want the full story, then it's there. It's available, um, which is great because it was like okay, I have to find a physical copy of Yakuza 3 because it's not on the PSN store. Um, and also, how like buying certain games used, especially um, games as uh, revered and loved as a Yakuza game, uh, that could be a little expensive on the used market. Uh, so 
like that that's a wonderful thing uh to to have available you know you you can you can jump in anywhere and and have the whole thing you don't have to worry about finding an obscure copy for an old console so uh that's very nice that's a good point well i I wanted to add too just real quick before we go too far past it i was really happy to hear caleb you said it's like a tv drama because that is very much the vibe i got because yakuza zero through six are pretty episodic it's about uh kiryu and the people in his life and his relationship with Haruka. And then seven, like a dragon, is a bit of a departure. But from what I understand, these characters still show up in it. They're just not like front and center. The thing I loved most about this game, all this stuff we've talked about is great. I do love it. Uh, but the contrast between the over the top visuals, like from everything from when you get a strike in bowling to the karaoke music video sequences to just the fights themselves that contrasted with the grounded soap opera like setting and storytelling is just top notch. And that's where the game feels the most unique and where like the unique direction in the voice of the game, uh, I think, shines brightest. I think it's safe to say that, uh, at least in my opinion, um, when it comes to the presentation of these games, uh, the cinematography of that story the music, the acting, they're all incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very engaging and 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 just it, it's easy to get lost in. And it's like there are moments where uh, you'll be lost in this scene and it feels like you're watching a TV show and not playing a game. So the 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 the, the soap opera drama uh, description is a really good one, and it it's very entertaining. And then the over over the top stuff with the combat, the mini games, those are all really well done too. I mean the 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 level of detail put into the world map is immense. Um, I I never once got tired of running around Kamarucho, uh, despite playing in the same sandbox for three games. It changes subtly and slightly between each game. There are new mini games. There are new side quests. So. I initially I thought, okay, this is gonna get dull. I'm just walking around the same city district for uh, six different games, right? It continues to evolve along with the times, which uh, I also ties into the the, the story themes and Kiryu's character, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, so there's so much uh, incredible detail and well written story, well acted uh, characters and beautiful music and visuals to go along with all of it. It's just kind of this uh, wonderful marriage of all the things of cinema and video games and music that uh, at once it all comes together, it's uh, really quite fascinating. What, and one more thing that, that I believe is what made it so successful in its homeland is that it has the personality of, japan itself authentically because there as far as i've been told there isn't any other no no other video game out there that really captures what it is people actually do in japan and what it what it's like to simply be (laughs) in japan because i think it was a uh, yeah a, a 2018 eurogamer editorial by melindy hetfeld said Yakuza has become a connection to a country I love very much, 
not because of the sights it shows me, but for all the boring things it lets me do. Yeah. The, the, wow, that, like, yeah. <laughs> it's culturally respectful. The, the, the pieces of like everyday life are a part of it, I feel like. And it, it, I, I think it's, it's worth saying like this, these games aren't necessarily anime. Um, it, it's, it's more like a, a, even like a, like a, just a love letter to Japan too, in a way, yeah. uh, from the creators, uh, the amount of work that they've put into making this city district feel so lively, um, is incredible. And I, yeah, I mean, you, you, it, it, it's kind of easy to walk around and feel like I'm just walking around Japan right now. Um, and, and I think that does have a great appeal too, even for people who've never been, um, and have no clue what it's like to, to live there or even just like stop in for a minute and walk around for five minutes and then go home. It is a little bit of a, of a little bit of a vacation for you in that sense. But then for the people who actually live there every day, uh, I imagine that's like, like seeing a virtual world created almost to perfection, in reflection of the place you live in and that is really commendable it's kind of like to go back to the grand theft auto comparison you look at uh, the the way that the world is built in grand theft auto and it's a very clear fictionalization of los angeles or new york um and there's a lot of wonderful detail in those uh depictions but you do kind of get this feeling that like these, this is a sandbox for you to play in. This is your world. Uh, there is uh, this kind of like reflection of what is real, but it very much isn't. Whereas Yakuza is not that. It is definitely this reflection of something that's real that feels a little bit real itself. And it feels very faithful to the kind of things that you would encounter if you were to go there yourself to, to Japan and, uh, and, and wander around that less, less the over the top stuff, but just like going to get a bite to eat. Oh, that's a thing that you can do. Well, that's what I was just about to say was, I think the fact that they do have those slice of life moments that are, you know, quiet and unassuming makes the actual then like, you know, cause, cause this game, as far as the gameplay goes, which I kind of want to get into next, cause we haven't really talked about the gameplay yet. It's basically a beat em up. Uh, and obviously that's not happening in Japan. <laughs> like you're not just going out <laughs> to the streets and utilizing your dragon form of karate and kicking some ass, but you know, that's, it makes those moments so special when you are, you know, between running to do karaoke and then going to the bowling alley, you might get into two or three fights but then you get into these mini games that are quiet and unassuming until you get a strike or do something that would ordinarily be mundane, but the game celebrates it and it's so joyous and it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. It is. It is the anti anime game. <laughs> anime for your auntie. <laughs> and then, and then even further, I'd say also just like to like take the, 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 the onus on yourself and, and like slow down when you're walking around town. Absolutely. Let Kiryu just like, walk at a regular pace like everybody else's rather than running and take in the detail around you and see what everybody's doing like uh it, it it's kind of a, a beautiful setting just to sit back and watch and that's encouraged actually because in five which is the one i played most recently walking is how you avoid encounters oh that's if you cool. run around that's when that's when you get attacked but they just kind of look at you suspiciously if you're walking 
you know what? You might be right. That might be. I, so I think in Kiwami, there were a few times where I would walk past them and they would notice me, but they would notice me when I was like past them already. Yeah. And there so, you go. But, and you can't outrun them. Like if you just don't stop running, they stop chasing you. Uh, but I am, uh, you are, Michael, you're correct. Like you, I definitely wouldn't recommend doing this, but I'm, I am guilty of, I pretty much ran everywhere, uh, because I liked the combat encounters though. Like I did not really care. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Um, but yeah, I think you might be right, Caleb, and and I can't speak for certainty, but I think if you just were to walk, you can evade encounters more easily, which is a cool little detail that, again, the game never never told me, unless I just missed it, but they never said, by the way, if you just walk, they won't try to fight you. Because it's just supposed to be assumed that Kiryu knows all this stuff. That's why they don't tell you there's a bowling alley, because, like, he knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does tell you in five, but I I don't think I need, I don't think it does tell you in the remakes, because... I don't remember. I don't. That's why I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about like the combat. And, and so for I guess the easiest way to break it down is it is, you know, it, it, there's definitely an RPG element to all this because, you know, you choose how you spend your time and, and uh, you have a lot of free time. <laughs> but there are also skill trees. And um, I liked the way the level up mechanic worked because it was like it almost looks like the blood web in, in Dead by Daylight or something where it's this like sprawling uh, uh, skill tree where you choose which skills you want to unlock. But as you go farther in the game, things take more than just one skill point. They might take it's like goes from one to ten to thirty to like eighty five eventually. But, be, you know, some boss encounters will give you four hundred skill points. I thought the different skill trees and you have four different fighting styles at least in kiwami uh i thought that was enough to always keep the combat fresh the just encounters on the, the street or in the levels i thought were always fun little beat uh, beat em ups um if i haven't i couldn't tell you the last time i played a beat em up game probably when i went to an arcade and played turtles in time before covid uh but this felt like a modern, uh, a very modernized equivalent. And I, I haven't played Streets of Rage 4, but I know a lot of people really like Streets of Rage 4. And I would not be surprised if Streets of Rage 4 reminded me of Yakuza in its combat. Yeah, the uh, the the upgrade system is a an interesting part of that because it, so far I believe it's changed between each game just very slightly, but it kind of keeps that same core uh, fundamental feel where, you know, you can you can go whichever direction you want. And um, there's a lot to invest, but then you also get a lot uh, uh, to invest in in how you want to play. And it's very much your choice. You could probably play through these games without ever touching it, um, but you definitely do want to invest in, in yourself and learn some new moves so that you can, you know, take on the the other tough guys a little easier. Uh, But then the, the actual like, fist fighting itself is really fun um i I think that it's like it's it's fast bombastic uh over the top and um there are some really crazy moves that you can learn throughout Uh, as a beat-em-up it kind of feels pretty standard at the start and it builds more depth as you uh go through that those skill trees learn new moves and uh switch between your move sets 
Uh, one of the things I really like about it is how you have all those different stances, those different uh, fighting styles that you can use, because it really encourages you to switch things up in the middle of one battle, sometimes when you're fighting one other person. Uh, I think the gameplay really shines when uh, you're in even just a regular street encounter, and between punches, you're switching from one fighting style to the next. And uh, you can really pull off some interesting combos that way. Additionally, the heat gauge is something I want to talk about because uh, it is definitely the over-the-top gauge for the combat. You have this gauge that as you take damage, as you dish out damage, it goes up a little bit by bit. And if you fill it up, Kiryu can pull off some special moves which is pretty standard for a fighting game or brawlers. But in this case, uh, there's nothing quite like uh, like smashing a bike on a dude <laughs> or throwing a traffic cone at him uh, using this uh, the, the special heat gauge move. Uh, some of these attacks are definitely like, oh, you broke that man's bones. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's kind of like the um, the glory kill in Doom. It's just very cathartic, and uh, it, each one, like, there, there are so many varieties that I don't think I have seen every single heat action in combat in any of these games so far. I've certainly seen a lot of them, and you do see a few of those repeatedly throughout as you play one game, because you're going to be playing, uh, you're going to be fighting a lot of dudes, and you're going to be using a lot of heat gauges, uh, so you're definitely going to see the same animations a few times, but I never really felt like they got dull. Kind of like again, the the glory kills and doom. There's this like uh, freshness to them each time, so uh, they never really overstayed their welcome, which I appreciated. Yeah, it does get better with each game. I can tell you that if you're going in chronological order and going from Kiwami two to three, uh, it falls off a lot, but have. Having been through a lot of them, I can see how in release order it has drastically improved. And and like Mike said, it's it's a it's a little different each game, so it, it kind of got better step by step. It definitely seemed like the type of thing that the development team learned how to uh, build upon over time with each game, and uh, also made the decision to go back and remake the original two games. Um, a lot more meaningful because the 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 remakes of those games compared to their originals and and the originals certainly have uh, a place among them among the whole series but uh the the remakes just have this this wonderful air to them that you really do get the sense with zero and then kiwami one and two that it's the kind of culmination of everything they have learned so far making all of these games and then i think that also carries into yakuza 6 and then yakuza 7 uh just you know how to make really fun gameplay uh for each moment to moment uh in the game because like i i don't know how you feel roman um but i just feel like this game is really hard to put down yeah i mean I, I really only, you know, we'll, we'll get into the sour in a little bit, but I really only have a few nitpicks about it. I thought it was it was largely successful. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it was good. It really, uh, I, I, so I feel like with a lot of games, you know, it's kind of a common refrain where you have to give it a couple hours of decide how you really feel about it. And, uh, I can understand for some people when you hear like, oh, well a game, you know, you got to give it like 10 hours before you decide you like it. I can definitely understand why some people are like, I'm not interested in doing that because that is, that's five movies. That's a season of a TV show. Like you could spend that time doing something else. That's a lot less risky because you'll know if you like it sooner. Right. Um, a lot of games you can finish in less than that time. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as we get older, our, uh, free time is more and more finite. So, uh, I totally understand that. I felt like sometime around hour eight, I realized I loved Yakuza Kiwami. And I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it was. I couldn't tell you like what the level or the mission was, but I just found myself thinking about it all the time and like wishing I was playing Yakuza Kiwami when I wasn't. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, t- so this is a long way to say I think you're right, Mike. Yeah, it, it, I feel like it's it's fair to say it sneaks up on you. It's this like um, appreciation and love for the game that creeps up on you. And suddenly you realize like, man, this is a good time. This is really fun. And if there was a game that I'd want to play right now, it's probably this game. Uh, I, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, if the story doesn't grab you, maybe the combat will. If the combat doesn't grab you, maybe the story will. Uh, the, the, we, we said it before, there's so many things packed into the game. And I think that's one, that's a good thing. It's not like it's uh, a lot of filler packed in to pad things out and, and you know, uh, leech away your free time like play our game play our game um, but um, it everything is just kind of uh, given to you like gradually I would say like it, it's always usually av- available to start uh, but the the way that the game encourages you to go do this and then do that there sometimes there are chapters where you just have to wait and in the process of waiting you go and do other things uh, like uh, like side quests or mini games and just have fun. And then the story picks up again because time passed. Um, it, it, it dishes these different pieces of itself out to you in ways that keeps it re- uh, refreshing itself and, and engaging and fun. And um, it's just a crazy amount of stuff to do, but it, uh, it it never really overstayed its welcome for me. I ended up 100%ing uh, two games in the series so far, which um, I, I think I'll talk a little bit more about in the sour uh, about that experience. Uh, not that it's a sour <laughs> experience. I don't want to. I don't want to give that impression of it, though. Um, I have my nitpicks for it specifically, but there's so much on a completion list for one of these games uh, that if you're a completionist it will scratch that itch very well and it will take up a lot of your time doing it knowing that it's a game that's difficult to put down makes that investment a lot easier to stomach uh so it's it's very hard for me not to recommend a yakuza game again speaking solely for kuwami but it kind of sounds like this could be the case for all of them playing these games how you want to play them is incredibly valid meaning like if you only want to focus on the things you like that's fine. And if you if you like the story and aren't as into the mini games, okay. If you like the mini games and want to just totally ditch the story and just spend several hours doing karaoke or playing darts or bowling, that's fine too. Uh, you know, what however you want to engage with these games, you're gonna have a good time. 
And I would actually say, don't be afraid to not do stuff. Like, don't feel like you have to do anything uh, because the game never gives you that impression. Like I said, like, I didn't know I could karaoke until close to being done with the game. Uh, It never at any point tells you you need to do this. You know, I guess you could say the campaign because that's how campaigns are structured, right? You got to give people like a, a, a roadmap. But even then, you know, the open world is available to you right at the start. So if you just want to mess around in that, have fun. Yeah, and I think if if the game ever force, forces you, because I, I think there's like a moment in Zero where you go and play uh, the karaoke minigame with uh, Nishikiyama, uh, and you have to do that as part of the story. Again, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. Your score doesn't matter. Uh, and you don't have to go back and play karaoke again if you don't want to. Um, it, the game has the a tendency to say, Hey, this is here if you want it. And if not, that's cool. Whatever. One other piece of that, that I think is worth stressing or, or just mentioning is that each of those games, like there's like, yeah, you have poker and darts and, uh, you know, tabletop games like that in red dead and grand theft auto and other sandbox games. In this game, you, you, you play those games, but you definitely play them as Kiryu. So that uh, that uh, that character aspect is there a little bit as well. Like when you go and seeing uh, Bako Mitai <laughs> for karaoke, you just like you get this feeling that, you know, you learn more about the character a little bit with those uh, those visuals uh, that come with the song. Um, when you go and you play uh, bowling, there are potential for character moments to shine. Uh, and, and in some cases, uh, other side quests will reveal themselves and there'll be more stories to enjoy uh, now that you're, you know, you're, you're bowling or, or batting or whatever. So they don't only just exist as things to do in the world. Uh, sometimes they also serve a contextual purpose that's related to a character or to a side story um, that, uh, has some meaning to it or some feel to it that uh, other games like you know, it, it's kind of a great thing to have available like okay we've got these mini games if you if you're bored you want to go do this you want to do that um, Yakuza not only includes them but it kind of grounds them in its world and its characters interact with them which is something special uh, what is the new game plus mode is it premium adventure premium adventure is just a sandbox. You can do all of the sub stories oh. and all of the mini games, uh, anything outside of the main story to your heart's content. You can change the time of day, change your outfit. I didn't know it wasn't the campaign. That's interesting. Right. It, uh, premium adventure is premium adventure is pretty much the idea that you could imagine that you're playing this game at any other point that, it could be during the story, could be before the story, could be after the story. Now, certainly there are things like if Haruka is with you, then you'd probably uh, assume that this happens after you've met Haruka. So there, there's a timeline thing to that, right? But um, it's totally independent of the main story of the game. And it's a great way that if you've beaten the story, jump into premium adventure continue playing to your heart's content in the great sandbox. I was going to say, so it truly is just sandbox mode. Yes. Which is great. That's not, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. 
Right, but the game does also have a new game plus mode, so you can go into sandbox with premium adventure, or you can start over completely with new game plus. And I I really appreciate the way the developers have integrated new game plus in this game. This is actually a good thing to bring up, Roman, because because uh, I'm very game smart, plus, yeah, right? If uh, he's a very smart boy, uh, if if you're if you're concerned about going into Yakuza and you're like, okay, I've, I've spent all this time leveling up my character, but I didn't quite get to the end of the game completely decked out, or I didn't accomplish everything that I wanted to do, there is a path for you to continue without losing any of that progress. If you just want to play more side stuff, Premium Adventure is for you. But if you want to go back and you want to do the story again. You don't lose your skills. You don't lose your items. Um, the way that New Game Plus works in Yakuza, and I love it so much, you start at the beginning of the story. The sub stories, which are this, which are the side quests. Just that's like the yes, jargon. Yes. Yeah, those are also reset, so you can do those again. Uh, but everything else, your your records in the mini games. Uh, for your completion list, your completion list itself, your uh, skill trees, your money, your items, all of that stuff carries over and continues to build on itself. So you could play through the game on, I think it's every difficulty except for Legend. Um, and you can switch difficulties, I believe. Uh, but you could just play through the game over and over again off the same save file and then eventually max yourself out and uh you know do all of the optional stuff th that you want to do you know if that's your if that's what you like to do so new game plus works in a very uh gamer friendly way that lets you re-experience the story again with everything that you've accomplished so far but then also if you don't want to do that you just want to wander around for a few minutes premium adventure is a great way to do that too caleb did you have anything you want to add before we move on just one more thing there is even if there are as many missteps as there are along the way, there is a constant penchant to improve. And you can see that in how three, four, and five have not been remade yet, but they <laughs> have been remastered. And those remasters have improved facial animations and overseas improved localization and restored content that wasn't in their original releases. That's cool. So not only are they available, readily available on current consoles of your choice, but also all the games out there have competent translations. Which is definitely huge for a game that uh, is entirely in Japanese. It is so culturally Japanese. Like it, just everything yes. about it. Yeah. It, it's definitely a thing too, where um, I, the original PlayStation two Yakuza and Yakuza two, I believe uh, had English translations or English dubs. Um, and if you ever, anybody listening, like go and watch a video of that because uh, it, it, the, the, those performances are hilarious. It's so uh, good. But, <laughs> I absolutely do not want an English dub for any of these other games nah. because it's just good as it is. It's too good as it is. The The voice acting from the Japanese cast is impeccable. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is absolutely phenomenally good. And because it is 
in Japan and they are Japanese characters, it is culturally Japan, as you said, Roman. I, I feel like it's, it would, it's just totally unnecessary for Sega to uh, do a, an English voice uh, cast. It, 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 it's fine the way it yeah, is. I don't want and it. Yeah. Uh, the you know reading subtitles is good enough for me because when each character starts talking it's you know it it, it it's really who they are at the core and i feel like doing an english dub would take away from that uh, doing a dub in any other language would, would take away from that i feel seven does have an english dub and it's certainly better than the dubs of the olden days but it does feel out of place at this point from what i've seen I was going to say this later. I think the next one I'm going to play is Like a Dragon because just everything I've seen about it, uh, I think I'm going to like it a whole lot. And I like turn-based combat, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but I, I will not be turning on the English dub. Absolutely not. Yeah, I feel like the the like if anyone's concerned about the language barrier with regard to these games, I it, it really isn't an issue. It's definitely one of the things about the game that I really appreciate Uh because it, it is uh, fascinating to be able to experience other cultures through their art this way. And it's well acted enough that you can pick up on nuances. I, I, I do not often say that about Japanese voice acting. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, everyone has a very distinct voice and, and speaking style. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, well, uh, unless you guys have anything you wanna add, let's move on to the sour. I'm assuming that silences you have nothing you want to add. All right. That's the end of the episode. There's no sour. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Welcome to the sour. We talk about the things we didn't like or love as much. Uh, I think this one's going to be a little short. I'll start with a real quick gripe. Uh, going back to the premium adventure new game plus modes. I think those are the only times you can change. You can change your clothes in Yakuza Kiwami. I couldn't put on a different outfit in the base campaign. Unless I'm a yes. big dumb dumb and couldn't figure it out, but that was a little disappointing to me. My understanding is premium adventure is the only place where you can change your outfit. Uh, you can you can gather outfits through the course of the main game, but premium adventure is the place where uh, you can actually use those outfits, and that that is like I I get where you're coming from, and and there's like I guess my stance on that is. I would love the opportunity to do that anywhere else. I imagine there are cinematics that are, you know, the the out, the outfit is baked in, right? You can't really change right. it because it's just a cutscene, and that's true for so many games out there with unlockables, right? Uh, they still do that. It's not a big deal. It doesn't bother me that much. Um, I would still like the opportunity to change it during the course of the story, but I guess I could also see how the creators of the game would say, well during the story this is what you're wearing and depending on who you are that might be uh a little much but like i feel like it doesn't bother me as much again i would still like the opportunity um because i don't really play in premium adventure that much because mm -hmm. the way i play through these games and uh and through the story i try to like contain everything within the story somehow um but it, it it feels like such a small point. It's just like yeah, super minute, super super nitpick. 
it, it's kind of silly, but at the same time, like, yeah, I, I, would, I would like to wear the crazy outfits sometimes. Yeah. Well, here's a bigger one for you, then. Boss fights in this game are not very good. Uh, and there's a lot of them and I understand why there's a lot of them because it's just the way the game is structured. It, like I said, it's essentially a beat em up and at the end of every level, there's a boss. I get that. I can accept that. Uh, but while the combat encounters themselves were a lot of fun, the boss fights were just essentially really drawn out versions of those where the bosses are damaged sponges. And oftentimes the boss spawns with a bunch of enemies and they might have weapons that can knock you down right away or something. So you have to like pick off the enemies first and then spend a long time whittling away at the boss's health. Uh, and then, you know, at certain points you can do like uh, what are essentially super moves using the heat gauge to knock off big chunks of health. But if you don't have your heat gauge filled up and you don't have an item to fill up your heat gauge, the boss during that time just gets a bunch of health back. Uh, and they just weren't very fun for me. Uh, that's the reason actually I, I kind of reached a point with Kiwami where I was like, I'm loving this, but for the sake of like, we're doing this episode, I just want to be done with it. So I know like have, you know, can talk about the story if I choose to. Um, and, uh, I actually, so I mentioned the one skill tree earlier in the episode. It's the dragon fighting style that you only get by doing certain things in the game. And in that there's a move called tiger drop, which is I've gathered pretty famous because it it's a very good move. And Mike, I believe you said it just makes you one punch man, basically. Yes, it is the one punch man counter. Yeah, I ended up abandoning the quest for tiger drop because the way you unlock it is there's an underground fight club, which is extremely cool. Uh, but that is, it's essentially just a bunch of boss encounters one after another. And I got about three quarters of the way to getting tiger drop. And I said, you know what? I'm just not having fun with this. So I want to just move on and have fun. Uh, and it did hurt me a little bit because in the final boss fight of Kiwami, you are expected to utilize the dragon fighting style. And I was underprepared for that, but I got through just fine. You don't, again, this game doesn't really make you do a whole lot. So, you know, even if there's a certain way they want you to kind of play it, they're not going to gate it off for you, which is a, a, a positive for sure. But yeah, just didn't love the boss fights. It does make you do combat in general. Well, though. Right, so that's if, true, yeah. if you're not a fan of how the combat works, then that could be an obstacle for you. Yeah, I, I, I would say the uh, boss fights in Kiwami probably are uh, less good than they are in other games. One of the things with Kiwami specifically, and this also is kind of a testament to how each game uh, maintains some level of uniqueness to it. Um, despite the same setting, but in Kiwami specifically, I think every single boss goes through a phase where they just heal themselves. And if you don't have the damage output to stop that or to knock them down, then they just heal themselves a good chunk of health. Uh, and you have to whittle away down at their health bars again. And that is... <sighs> I, I really find it difficult to defend that as a design decision because uh, it, it it's blatant padding. I, I don't I don't see any way to describe it otherwise because I mean you've already done the work to get their HP from nine hundred to two hundred, right? Well, I'm just gonna sit here and recharge my HP bar. I I, I don't see a justification mm -hmm. for that. Uh, you can cancel those healing yeah that's when you gotta uh, do the super move yeah right you can cancel those things but again you have to be prepared for that so kiwami really puts you in a position where 
you're probably going to counter that design decision more than you're countering the AI doing a thing in the fight that is uh, interesting, right? Yeah. And that counter is just bringing in items. <laughs> like you just bring in a lot of items to know to be able to fill yourself up. Exactly. I think I walked through the entire game with a full inventory of stamina and royales yep. because <laughs> uh, it, it just it fills up your HP and your heat gauge a whole lot. So if I was down on heat and, uh, you know, the boss fight decided I'm going to use my heal move, then I'm going to, you know, drink a quick monster energy and, and, you know, punch them real hard so they don't. Yeah. And it was a little bit of a bummer because I, this realization dawned on me pretty early in the game. So maybe, you know, maybe choosing to look at it as an optimist, maybe it was a good thing because like we just said, I knew just to go into every boss encounter with like items to be able to circumvent this. But there's a fight early in Yakuza Kiwami where you're trying to escape the funeral of uh, the, uh, uh, I think it's the Tojo clan's chairman. Yes. And you fight Shimono. And uh, both of these examples are actually bosses you fight more than once, which also adds to their frustration. But the Shimono fight wasn't that bad. It was just annoying because, and I, and I looked this up online and, and the consensus I found was everyone just kind of agreed it's like too early in the game and it's the real sink or swim moment. It's like the game kind of throws everything at you for the first time in this boss fight. And I mean, all things considered, it was fine. It wasn't that bad. I got through it, but it did take a while. And I was like, man, is that how all the boss fights are going to be? The second one, I actually sent you both this article I found. It's you fight. It's a Majima boss encounter. So not in the Majima everywhere thing, but a boss encounter where you fight him at the batting cages and he has a baseball bat. And it was so annoying. I was like not having fun with it. I it's actually the only point in the game where I died repeatedly. And I looked up how to how to just like tips and like a gameplay guide. And I found this site, which I'll include in the show notes because it's very funny. And it's this article that's written completely straight. But uh, it, you quickly realize it's a joke because the intro basically says like it's doing the typical like games press thing like Yakuza Kiwami is a game, blah, blah, blah. And then it says like this fight is widely regarded by fans to be the best fight in the game. And that's where I was kind of starting to sweat a little bit because I'm like, oh, boy, maybe this isn't for me. But the article <laughs> then goes on to say in not so many words, here's how you beat him. Put the game on easy mode. <laughs> and uh, that's what I did. And it worked. Yeah, they they don't they are definitely damaged sponges. And. I feel like there are other games in the series that handle them much better. Uh, it, it kind of boils down to like the sign decisions again, and it's just uh, a case of um, I wonder if you know it's a holdover from the original game, or you know, do we feel like we need to make this a little tougher for some reason? I don't feel like these games are necessarily like Dark Souls in the sense that you know you have to make deliberate movements when you do an attack you, you can't cancel out of that so you have to really think about when to punish and when to guard um i i feel like these are really just beat them ups at their core and if you're button mashing that's okay you yeah. know um some of the boss fights punish that and i feel like the way they punish it is just by having the big health bar and not much else other than like maybe stun lock and that is a little bit more frustrating than fun, even if you're playing it like the way the devs didn't intend to and realize, OK, I need to play it this way. Um, sometimes it feels like the intended way is also frustrating and there could be a little bit of an improvement on that. 
And that really shows in the older games too. I said before that they have improved over time, but it, the the oldest one that hasn't been com- completely updated is three. So <laughs> you, you you play three now, and a lot of the problems you've mentioned, and then some, show themselves a lot. And there isn't much. There aren't many features in the combat that makes it easy to live with it just kind of feels like the you know the random encounters in the streets are easy i mean Mm -hmm. uh, all of the people that run up to you and want to you know play the big guy are easily pushovers and um there are occasionally encounters with uh within the story or even some sub stories that are a lot more engaging and a lot more fun um, but then the boss fights feel like a street fight with an endless HP bar. And it, it's just not necessary. Yeah. Um, another real quick gripe I had about Kiwami, and I'd be curious if this is the case with the games you guys have played as well, is uh, Caleb, like you mentioned, the, the story is simple and you're right. It, it's pretty w- – w- if you look at like a top-down approach to the story, it's very straightforward. But the way it is told felt like pretty drawn out and like convoluted at times – and I, I get it. It's going to, you know, video games sort of are a longer form medium. I understand they want to maybe make their story longer than just like five hours or whatever. Uh, but there was a lot of times where I felt like I didn't quite know what was going on. And even now, if you asked me to describe the narrative to you, I could in broad strokes, but there's a few just miscellaneous things here and there that I felt like either don't make sense or... Or I just didn't really get what was going on, and I was just sort of going where the game told me to go. And this could also oh, be admittedly yeah. because uh, there's a lot of really long cutscenes, and my attention span just like clocked out. Now, uh, while the directing, as I said before, is consistently quite good, the writing is not consistently good. Mm-hmm. Do you have like out, out of the ones you've played? What's your favorite of the narratives? And you too, Mike. I'd be curious. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to go with uh, one. Well, Kiwami one, since that's my experience, just because it is the most straightforward out of them, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I, do, I like five has well five playable characters, and almost all of their stories are. Uh, some of the best so i gotta give some credit to five there's one campaign in that one that i can't stand so it's like four of the best and one of the worst (laughs) so five five is like a close second to kiwami one a very close second i i feel like uh right now kiwami two is really standing out in my mind uh for narrative and as I thought about it and I, listening to what you've said, I feel like um, these narratives definitely have strong moments and that's what you should really uh, uh, look for in the story. Because um, they, they, it's absolutely true. The, the stories of these games kind of meander a little bit here and there and there's uh there's a, a really long time where 
the main characters will be scratching their heads, wondering, you know, what's the big picture? What's going on here? What's, you know, so-and-so's plan or, you know, what are we missing? And there are times where it feels like uh, the writing doesn't quite know how to draw out that um, detective side of it where we don't know every, all the pieces, right? And we tr- we're trying to figure them out. But also you, the player, don't know them. You don't really know that much about what's going on behind the scenes aside from maybe the occasional snippet from uh, a shot elsewhere that you know your main character isn't in attendance for. But it doesn't do a great job of maintaining that air of mystery, right? It's um, it, it kind of feels like a, a, a padding for the story rather than the game um, in the sense of like, Kiryu doesn't know what's going on that much and he's trying to find this person. He, do, he doesn't really know where they're at or, um, you know, it, it's, it's all of that footwork that you have to do. But then there are these moments that are just really special. And um, they they're, they're very striking, and they I feel like they're almost strategically placed. I, it, they feel like they're common enough throughout the narrative that it keeps everything worth continuing. Um, so if you feel like the game meanders at all, there's definitely something good coming. It's just a matter of how or like when is it going to show up and sometimes it feels like it might take a little too long where that pacing could be altered for a little bit of a better outcome with varying frequency in each game the like i said the writing it, it's not it's not consistent and uh <laughs> the, the the one overall thing that seems to come up a lot is as roman pointed out one is arguably the simplest and yet it doesn't feel that simple (laughs) so there's something to be said about that right well i i feel like two is kind of simple but like the uh, you, you could kind of boil down a lot of the stories i think into the the standard categorization of uh what makes up a narrative like there's the the hero's journey or a revenge story and that kind of thing right so some games are probably built around the revenge narrative and some are probably built around, uh, you know, someone is very selfish and wants to make a lot of money and doesn't care about who they screw over to do that. Um, it, it, it is crime drama 101. And there are times where I feel like the narrative should really be a little bit more self-aware of that. Um, and, the whole air of mystery that it tries to build sometimes doesn't work and you just really want it to get on with it. Right. And that's odd considering how self-aware these games are otherwise. Right. Like every other aspect of the game feels like it knows exactly what it is. And, uh, at sometimes goes even as far as self parody with, uh, with those aspects. But with the story, it is usually very, uh, very much serious, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like they they it, it probably will show. Like I have to play through three, four, and five, and six, um, and I'm curious to hear what you think as well, Roman, as you play through more Yakuza games. It might be another case of you know as they have 
uh, developed more entries into the franchise, um, the developers, the people writing these stories have figured out more about what this series is, what it's about, um, the pieces that make it work, and have kind of honed in on those things and uh, iteratively uh, improved upon it over time. I, I kind of hope that's the case um, because that is an interesting progression to see from creators, I think, as you uh, you know engage with their works. Right. Um, but uh, I think, Caleb, you'd probably be the best because um, you've played through some of the later games in the series uh, to, to, to touch on that. But that's kind of my hope for it because um, those moments throughout, like there's a, a scene in Kiwami 2 where – uh, Kiryu and another character who has partnered with him uh, somewhat reluctantly on this journey are just hanging out killing time on a rooftop and after spending a few minutes pondering the case because it very much is more of a detective story in some cases um, they start to reflect and that internal dive for both characters, learning a little bit more about them uh, and seeing them kind of bond with each other was so much more entertaining and, and so interesting. It's just a very beautiful and special moment in the story that I forgot about everything else. And sometimes that's all that really matters in one of these scenes is like there is kind of a beauty to... Uh, the moments where they say like we kind of like forget about everything else around you and just enjoy the moment with each story there does seem to be an idea a mission that more is better like more quantity of plot so you do get more weak stuff and more strong stuff and i wouldn't say i wouldn't say like there's an uphill or downhill ratio there really mm-hmm. like i said a couple of times already it, it is it is inconsistent but you have you have g- good and bad in there with all of them if nothing else in my opinion with uh kiwami at least like i can accept the bad with the good because the voice of this game is so earnest and like i think that for me goes a long way with any sort of medium like right like so you know surprise mechanics is canonically a pro Zack snyder's justice league podcast right we've we've kind of put our foot down on this uh i think part of the reason we responded positively to justice league is because Zack snyder took it seriously very earnestly now that doesn't mean we have to take it super seriously right like we're not saying that that movie changed our lives or what have you and i think it's the exact same thing we're seeing here where the Yakuza games, uh, you know, Nagoshi is very earnest and honest with this, and they wear their heart on their sleeve. So even when there are some shortcomings, uh, it feels like it's coming from, I guess, a more innocent place. You know what I mean? It's more like ignorance, not arrogance, if that makes sense. You could kind of chalk it up to, you know, the the human flaw. Right. It's just the... Uh... You know, there's no person out there that's infallible or perfect. And, you know, this is just another case of that. Which brings me to a gripe I have that I think is a little bit more substantial. Uh, And I want to say right off the bat, I'm not I don't think like this makes uh, 
Toshihiro Nagoshi like a bad guy or anything. But I was uh, reading this article that I'll put in the show notes where uh, basically throughout the years, people have asked him if they could put Kiryu in, in various fighting games. Uh, you know, be it Soul Calibur, Tekken, whatever. And he has always said no because the fighting games in question have uh, women in the roster. And he cannot stomach the fact of Kiryu um, striking a woman. Now, in this game, we do see him at one point, like I think he slaps Haruka and uh, uh, what have you. But I think that he's coming from a, a good place. I think it goes back to, like we said, Kiryu is very old school chivalrous. Uh, but I, I think the flaw comes more in that, uh, as at least in Kiwami, uh, none of the f- women in this game have a lot of agency. I think it, there's a lot of generally pr- kind of flat characters because it's a game where, you know, if you looked at uh, first off, everyone has a name, even the grunts you fight on the street, their health bar has a little name above them. So like if you technically consider every character, there's hundreds of them and most of them are going to be there to be kind of flat and just be a character. That's fine. I'm not, you know, it is what it is, but it feels like. uh Haruka is the only well-rounded woman in the game and she's a child. And even like like uh there's there's two instances where uh main characters that happen to be women do something and take some agency and then are immediately killed. Uh and so it just feels like most of the women in this game were or are objects of desire or damsels in distress or or mommy figures basically. Uh, and that, you know, it, it was noticeable and I'm not the most, you know, I mean, I, I have a very limited worldview on that, right? Like I'm not a woman, I'm, uh, but I was kind of starting to pick up on it about like halfway through the game and it never really remedied. And I would be curious to see if this is addressed a little more because from what I understand, Haruka becomes a, a bigger character in future games. And I know at one point she's playable. So that could be a thing that is addressed through her because they kind of you know make amends, so to speak, by giving her a little more agency and more to do. But as it was in Kiwami, that was like my biggest sort of substantial criticism. Authors being territorial and women being out of focus are both uh, pretty common in Japanese media from what I know. So, mm-hmm. well, and it's worth saying too, like uh Tashihiro Nagoshi is, he's like 55. Like he's, he's, you know, not, not old, old, but he's an older guy. And I think he just, he subscribes to this old school view of chivalry. And this is like what we're, we're seeing a shortcoming of that. I don't think he means any ill will. I don't think, you know, I'm not saying he views like looks down on women or whatever. I just think, he doesn't know how to write for them. And, you know, you could make a case like maybe it's better. He, you know, just focuses on what he knows and does it best. But it it also is a little problematic where it's like, well, woman finally does something substantial is immediately put in the refrigerator, so to speak. I I think um, Kiwami 2 would be a great game for you to play next uh, with that in mind, because I don't know off the top of my head. It's it's been a few months since I have played it. Though um, one of the main characters throughout the entirety of that game is a woman and uh, she's actually a police detective and uh, she is incredibly central to the plot of that game. And I I kind of wonder, I mean, there's there's a level of uh, her inclusion that is hinted at as being a love interest for Kiryu. Though I think he's, I if I remember right, he he doesn't really go for that, right? He 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 does. He he's just 
He just wants to be friends. Well, isn't there? I saw there's a running joke on Reddit where Kiryu's a virgin. <laughs> which is I have I have not seen that. That's, that's only that's, exceptionally funny because sure. uh, there's those scenes with the hostesses. <laughs> Right. Like you can unlock a scene with them like in their lingerie. And it's just funny to be like uh, they were just posing for him and then he left. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that's a nice look. I'll I'll see see you later. Admiring the human form. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to play bowling later, let me know. Uh, (laughs) I think Kiwami 2 has at least one stronger um, role for a woman and and, and its cast. And um, the. The games beyond two, uh, I'm curious to know as well, because I I do kind of feel that as well. There's there's this um, very strong emphasis on like what it is to be masculine and and be like a good man. And like Caleb, you said, like the series is pretty much all about what it is to be a good man. Um, So that as like a central focus, I think, is a great thing. And, you know for for the writers to like stay in with what they know best and and to you know focus on that central foundation is a great thing um it it is also i think wonderful to have uh other characters other types of people who are also uh you know they have agency they have uh really well-rounded characterization to them they're interesting and they feel real and lively um, so that, you know, there's a little bit of everybody there. I can tell you that um, Haruka's campaign in five is definitely, it definitely, it definitely doubles down on uh, a, a little bit about femininity and uh, Har- Haruka herself actually is sort of the, the pivotal character for everything familial, especially like with three onward, because Kiryu opens up an orphanage and there are mm, a lot of, that's really cute. Bo- <laughs> that's- yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of boys and girls there and they, they, they sort of set the tone for everything that he does from there on. I, I mean, I think, I think Har- Haruka, like I said, she's pivotal. Everything he does is, is goes, back to well what what would she think about this i have to keep her safe mm-hmm. and then there's there's also um in like a dragon i know uh airy i think her name is is a playable character or no uh, psycho so i don't know much about what roles they play in that but there is there is definitely a little bit more for women to do in in later games in some of them at mm-hmm. least. Yeah, definitely. I guess it, it, there is that initial emphasis on Kazuma Kiryu and um, what it is to be a man, what it is to be a Yakuza. And then from there, you know, hopefully it, it, it kind of expands out into the lives and what it is to be, you know, different people that are out there and, and, and you know, living their life. Uh, and, and doing what they do. And for the record, I'm not saying like there. Every game needs to have like a, a, you know, you need to have like a checklist, right? Of like, okay, well, you need to make sure you're representing right. this demographic and have this playable character. It was more for me like even the the side the the supporting cast of this game. I noticed the men had more agency than the women 
across the board. And anytime a woman sort of claimed agency, it was like she got punished for it. Um, and, and again, I don't I'm not trying to read too much into it. I don't think there's any ill will there. Uh, it was just a trend. I just noticed it. And it was something I would like to see sort of maybe corrected. Well, yeah. And, and having more playable characters in general sort of like opens up agency to a lot more characters. Oh, of course. Yeah, sure. it's, it's not it's not just a matter of like with the men, but simply with like the main cast, the main good guys and the main bad guys, while everyone else is. uh you don't you don't really see a lot of how they feel or what their life is like what they get to do except except in uh, sub stories of course mm-hmm. but a, a lot of that a lot of the those sub story vibes do seep into the main campaign a little bit more as you have a wider variety of campaigns to play sure yeah of course yeah you're right it's only natural that they're gonna yeah uh, well, do you guys have any other sours you want to hit on real quick before we move on to the sauce? I was going to I was going to let Caleb uh, share if he had any. I have one on completion. Oh, yeah. You well, yeah, it, mine might might be in the same vibe as that. I said before that with so many features and tonal shifts, there's bound to be something you enjoy. The the drawback there is that there is also bound to be something you don't. And sometimes it it makes you try out these things more often than other times and it you know what if that feels like a chore for you but but let's say let's say uh even if even when you have free reign you try out half the stuff that there is for you to do and everything on the front end that that you happen to try out is agonizing and not fun for you so are you inclined to keep playing without the guarantee that there are more fun experiences that will make it totally worth it around the corner or is it even worth your time at all if you if you hated half of it and and that kind of has me questioning whether it's better to let players discover extras on their own giving them that satisfaction of of that liberty or but 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 risking them never discovering the best material or or do you force feed them demos of everything, making sure they'll discover what that what they want is in there somewhere, but also risking frustration or even minigame fatigue with the stuff that they don't like having to put up with? Yeah, that's an interesting mm-hmm. point because I, I feel very strongly about the the aspect of developers like, okay, we want everybody who plays this game to see everything it has to offer the first time they play through it, right? I think there's a big drawback to that, and we see that drawback in the way that people describe the games. Like, I wish there was more to explore. I wish that you know there were more opportunities to replay the game or more reasons to replay the game. And I wish that uh, you know there was uh, more unlockables or um, more secrets. You know, things like that i i kind of feel like we describe games a little bit more that way these days because there seems to be this inclination towards uh, well if we are going to put something in a game we want players to see it uh because what's the point of putting it in if everybody's going to miss it right and throughout history of games um I, I feel like it, it, it's been a much stronger experience when you stumble upon something that you didn't expect than the game pointing at it and saying, hey, 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 you could do this. Hey, 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 there's also this. 
hey, hey, there's that. And uh, I, I feel like the latter definitely leads towards uh, a greater probability of getting overwhelmed and fatigued with the game. I, I, I kind of commend Zero for the way it introduced karaoke. I think the karaoke minigame is like the one thing that I'm really glad that it forced me to do. <laughs> and it's probably deliberate, right? Because everyone loves it. Right. I, I feel like that game definitely has uh like like the, the developers know that the way that they made that is like it's it's a bit of a meme, sure, though it's uh it's it's a charming one and I think everybody would enjoy a little bit and it's not hard so i don't think anybody would have any trouble getting through it um though uh, there's probably someone out there that didn't appreciate it as much as you know i did uh but you know then again after that they don't ever have to do it again so it's not that big a deal right um but with the amount of content that yakuza offers the amount of mini games and uh optional objectives uh that you could uh you know attempt to go through and just kind of like list everything off as like a resume for each game be like all right the game is now you know just making me fill out a checklist i i've i've played the batting game i played the bowling game i played poker i played roulette and all these other things cool um i'm really glad it doesn't force you to try everything once Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. that there is at least kind of a level of discovery um but Occasionally, there is like the thing that forces you to do it, and it, sometimes I suppose it would be up in the air whether or not you are guaranteed to enjoy it or get frustrated. Um, and I, I think most of the time, the narrative function of one of those mini games being included is somewhat forgiving, but it is easy to get overwhelmed. I think in the sense that there is a lot to do and the game is not shy in telling you that um to which caleb if if you feel comfortable with how we've discussed this sour i think it would make a great segue into the sour that i want to talk about with regard Mm -hmm. to completion in yakuza and i've mentioned before i completed two of these games 100 percent um got the the trophy on playstation and uh, I have, I have, I, I have the trophy to prove. It. <laughs> uh, but uh, as I said before, the Yakuza games are definitely not shy about telling you what it takes to, um, like, really complete everything. If if you want to do everything this game has to offer, then there is a literal checklist in the pause menu that you can scroll through and see what it takes. And a lot of them are really innocent. Like they don't really even matter that much. And there, there are a lot of uh, uh, items in that checklist that are uh, clearly designed unlock automatically over time. Like the more you play the game, it's obvious that you're going to get this things like walking so many kilometers, things like eating at restaurants and, um, uh, using so many moves and beating up so many dudes with this move set or that move set or with a bike or whatever. Um, you just know that through the course of the game that will probably unlock on its own and you won't have to go out of your way in order to do that. Those are great. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just like, okay, yeah, I've, 
kind of seen how my journey has progressed through this. Uh, it, it's a little bit of an epic um, story, but uh, you, you see your progression in a sense there. Now with completing the game, the doing the whole completionist thing, which I'm prone to do, um, there's a lot of frustration involved <laughs> because as Caleb pondered before with like, you know, some of these mini games, if, if you're not guaranteed to enjoy them, then, you know, are you really inclined to continue? I think that's a very big question to ask when you want to, you want to know, I want to see everything this game has to offer. I want to finish the completion list. And, uh, then you find that one mini game that is the bane of your existence. <laughs> and for me, I I really can't pinpoint an exact one except for gambling itself. <laughs> um, every every mini game has a completion checklist thing tied to it. So um, there's definitely like get 90 or above for your score in every song for karaoke. I did that. It was tough. <laughs> it was hard, okay? But I did it. And the karaoke minigame, I feel like it's it's charming enough to push ahead, even if it gets a little frustrating. Um, I don't think everybody would do that. I don't expect everyone to. It is an unforgiving uh, checklist when you get to minigames because you really do have to be the best at the mini game, you have to have perfected it. And with regard to some of them, there is no real perfecting it as like, a, you know, it, it's a skill or a, a muscle memory that you can, uh, y- y- you can practice and charge up like your, your skill trees. It is just down to pure random number luck. Right. Um, and, and, and that's, that, that is what, like gambling is I, I reference the gambling mini games because I think they're the most egregious, but there are others that are also built into that randomness that you can't account for if you're going to win or lose. It's just, did you get it this time or not? And you have to keep chugging away at it. If you want to get that checklist filled, um, I feel like, like the inclusion of gambling mini games is a thing that like I, playing poker, playing roulette, playing blackjack, they offset it. And you can definitely tell the developers realize that it's a little bit much to ask for because they include items that let you cheat in those mini right. games <laughs> where like, okay, I just like, uh, I used one sheet item to get this checklist uh, checked off. Um, so that, that's that, that's that, you know, easy peasy. But then sometimes there are mini games that don't have that thing for some reason and you have to grind and it's, you know, it could be hours or minutes of making a save and then trying and then reloading that save if you didn't get it. Um, or just pounding your head against the brick wall to try over and over and over again. And hopefully the random number generator will favor me this time. There is so much on that checklist that you could cut those really unforgiving pieces from it, and I feel like it would not deter or it it, it would not be a negative for completionists. Um, it's just a there's there's an amount of tedium there that is a little bit too much. It definitely asks of you a bit too much, 
And it's totally optional. You you have to want to do it, which I I get is kind of like the central purpose of the checklist itself. So the developers probably thought, well, if you want to do it and you want to commit to it, then, you know, there's your justification for having really egregious items on the checklist, right? But even as someone who's a bit of a completionist, it's just like, gosh, I the fact that I did it is whatever. I do I feel that accomplished with it? <laughs> eh. It, 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 I, 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 you know, I pressed, I, I did the game a whole bunch and one day the random number generator benefited me instead of, you know, you know, didn't. And knowing that that's pretty much how it is, it's not really like real life randomness and real life chaos and luck. It's, uh, you know, a, a piece of code in a computer there. There's kind of a level where after it gets frustrating to a point in my mind, I feel like, all right program you are a, just a bunch of lines of code and you are meant to yield to me the player so just please do it already right yeah i mean i salute you for doing it buddy because i'm i'm not as much of a completionist as you but i came into this game off back-to-back platinums for my last playstation games so there was definitely you know i had the bug right there was definitely part of me that was thinking like maybe i will and then like the second i did the gambling game and the second i did darts i was like and eh, never mind <laughs> like just not, that, not gonna do yeah. it I mean, and, and like those games, like some of those games are really fun to get the, the, the checklist uh, completed, right? Some some of those mini games have uh, a, a feel to them where it's not that difficult or I mean, it, it could still be challenging, but rewarding. And I feel like they the developers should more closely examine like what is it about these mini games that people love and how can we build incentives into this che- a completion checklist that aren't only you know something that you have to commit to and make a a conscious decision to commit to but also rewarding when you complete it because most of the time when i got the the item completed and it it popped up on my screen that i did it there were a lot of them that were like oh hell yeah i did it and that's the feeling you want people to have but then i think there were just as many especially later in the completion list that ended with a very like just defeated sigh. I was just ah, oh, finally, right. I'm done. And that I feel is the response that the developers do not want, even if they think that's what they want. Um, with the the regard to like getting all the achievements or trophies and platinuming the game, the um. There are some modes outside that also are just like a little bit too much. Uh, Climax battles definitely try to ground in the idea that there is a like I I, I always fall back to Dark Souls for combat that's like very deliberate and um, you you, you don't want to make any mistakes, right? Climax battles are the epitome of that, but like in a bad way, they're, they're also very frustrating and their requirements for victory are very steep. And I was on the path to getting all of that, you know, with uh, the spirit of completionists uh, within me and I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I got to a point and I just like, this is, this is, uh, this is too much. And uh, the person that decided that this was the way that this had to be, uh, you're wrong. And I'm mad at you. I'm very mad at you. <laughs> That's when you hear Baka Mitai in your head. I do. 
and I oh, let me sing for oh, you. Oh man, I laughed so loud. I I I swear I heard my neighbors pounding on the wall when that first that button propped, and then he goes, "I sing for you." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> but like the the best thing about that is these things are all optional, so it, it's not really a super make or break for the game. But for me, I I had to try, and it led to a little bit of frustration. But there's still a love for Yak for the, for the franchise for me. Well, Caleb, do you have anything else you want to hit? Let's go. Okay. Let's move on to the sauce. All right. Welcome to the sauce where we are going to give the game our final verdict. Mike, what are we scoring this out of? 10. We got to rate it out of 10. Give you a chance. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> but you must say it like that or else the measurement will not work. Oh, boy. Well, I think he's right. You won't You won't get the the completion item on the checklist. It won't pop up if you don't say <laughs> okay. it correctly. Fair enough. Uh, okay, so I'll go first. Um, I'm only going to obviously rate Yakuza Kiwami because I haven't played the other games, so I don't want to talk about the franchise as a whole. Um, so like we talked about, I there's definitely more good than bad. I really enjoyed my time with this game. I had a lot of fun, but I was feeling pretty burnt out by the end because mostly of the boss fights. Uh, and so I reached a point where I was basically just sprinting through Kamarucho, trying to go from one story mission to the next, only stopping in between when I was in unavoidable fights or I needed to restock on items. So I'm going to give Yakuza Kiwami seven out of 10. Kiryu Johns. Uh, I'm really happy I played it. I'm really happy I'm finally getting into Yakuza. I think I'm going to jump straight into Like a Dragon or maybe even Judgment, the detective spinoff, because I heard I've heard nothing but great things about both. Uh, but I will definitely be getting to Kiwami 2 at some point. I feel like this game is definitely in well, this, this franchise is definitely in a, a place for me that is um, one of my favorites. Uh I, I I love the Yakuza series. I've I've played only a handful of the games that it has to offer so far, but it it definitely has grabbed me. Um, and I think if I had to give it a number, it would also be seven out of ten. Kiryu chance because um, it uh it's very engaging. It's so much fun. It's so easy to uh to to just continue playing without regard to what time it is. Hard to put down. There are some frustrations. There are some things about it that are like they ask you a bit much. Um, and with with all of that, I still feel like this game has and and, and just about any game in, in this series has a lot to offer um, and gives the player a lot of freedom in choosing what with, with, what they want to do, which I think is great. Um, if, if anybody asked me, should they play a Yakuza game? That's a resounding yes. Caleb, bring it home. Your first time, approach it with an open mind, but get to know, while trying it out, get to know what you like and what you don't. And going forward from there, always go for what you know you like. And if you take that approach then I estimate you'll enjoy Yakuza about 70% of the time you're playing it. So likewise, I will award it 7 out of 10. Give you a chance. You're so good at that. 
We got a triple seven, boys. You know what that means. What's it mean, Michael? I don't know. It's just three sevens. Yeah, you, lucky. Were, that, you were actually asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what exactly. that means? Jackpot. Well, I, don't, I don't. I also don't know what it means. Caleb, do you have any yeah. possible idea what that could mean? Jackpot. It means jackpot. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's um, jackpot. Yeah, I, I I truly love this series. Uh, it's it's wonderful. Um, it has so much charm to it. I'm I'm really glad we got the the chance to talk about it with you, Caleb. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming back on, man. Well, thanks for inspiring me to play the rest of these games because I don't know if I would have gotten around to them if you hadn't given me a good reason to. And there's certainly a lot of insight uh, to come of this. Not not only in its themes but also in the in its in its history and how much it says about video games then you could do a whole another episode on on uh, its meta purposes really um uh, but uh only only thing only other thing i want to leave everybody with is that if you are ever in japan be sure to refer to this game by its native title which is Ryu ga gato gatoku biohazard <laughs> okay that's resident evil oh <laughs> um but i think i think that translates to like a dragon it, am I it right? does yeah one of the things uh that i i want to i want to do in the close of the episode is um we didn't really talk that much about some of the spinoffs of, of the series and um sega has produced a few spinoffs for the series which are uh, available in the West, but there are a few that take place uh, in different historic time periods that are not available uh, outside of Japan. And Sega, please, please, uh, I'm I'm, give, I'm doing puppy dog eyes right now. If you can't see it, but uh, I know there's a lot of people that would love to play those games, and I really hope that with uh, the release of the remasters of three through five, um, with uh, the what seems like um, the, the continued uh, Western release of these games, uh, we might see those someday. Absolutely. Well, another one in the can, boys. Caleb, thanks again. Uh, would love to have you back on at some point. And I have a feeling between Neo, The World Ends With You, and No More Heroes 3, that may just be an inevitability. Happy to help in any way I can as we continue to be surprised by more mechanics like the oddities of Yakuza. There it is. Thanks, everybody. And uh, enjoy White Boy Summer. <laughs> <laughs>